Three years ago, in 2018, a family doctor from Swedish, the Swedish clinic on Capitol Hill wrote an op-ed in the Seattle Times on the epidemic of loneliness that he saw from treating a wide variety of patients in his practice. He gave three examples of three different people he had seen in one week. A 19-year-old college student-athlete battling depression, a middle-aged immigrant from Ethiopia mourning the recent loss of her husband, and a 62-year-old queer gardener who had moved to Seattle to take care of his parents. From the doctor's perspective, the most debilitating condition affecting all three was loneliness. His view was that loneliness had reached the level of a public health crisis. He wrote about patients who couldn't get surgeries because they had no one to drive them home from the hospital after the operation while they were under anesthesia. Others who come into the clinic weekly because it's the only place where they can interact with other human beings. He cited a Cigna research survey from that same year, 2018, that reported then that nearly half of those in the United States are sometimes lonely or always feel alone. That was three years ago, in 2018, before the pandemic. One of the most devastating impacts of the fight against this virus has been the isolation that we have had to endure for over a year now. There are hundreds of thousands who have not had a human embrace for a year. There are hundreds of thousands of our human relatives who died alone in sterile isolation. Given the global impact of this virus and population growth through the decades and centuries, there may be more human beings currently suffering from loneliness right now than at any other point in history. Consequently, it may be that this morning's story about Jesus may never have been more important for more people to hear and know than right now. Because this story reveals to us in excruciating horror that Jesus himself plumbed the depths of aloneness and abandonment. But he did so precisely that we might know to the depths of our being that we are never alone, no matter how it feels. Jesus is present with us always, through all of life and even death. Part of the reason that God appeared on earth in flesh and blood as Jesus was in order to reveal what a human life 
looked like when lived in perfect communion with God. A human life lived from birth through death. So Jesus had to experience the fullness of human life from birth through death. Physically, that was not very difficult to accomplish. With some help from the Holy Spirit, Jesus was birthed by Mary, raised by Mary and Joseph, and then, with a little help from the religious leaders and the occupying Roman government, Jesus was physically pegged to two giant wooden beams, hoisted vertically, and after several hours died. All of that was actually the easier part. The most difficult part was experiencing what death represented for human beings. Biblically, death is the ultimate consequence of sin. Biblically, again, sin is essentially a turning away from God and the guidance of God. Sin, in that sense, separates us from communion with God, from this direct relationship. It distances us from God. Death is the ultimate separation from God, the ultimate consequence of sin. But Jesus never sinned. He lived in complete communion with God, the Father, God the Mother, so Jesus could have simply sloughed off his mortal flesh and emerged immortal. But then he would never have experienced the fullness of humanity. And so, in some way beyond, beyond our comprehension, Jesus took on himself the spiritual dimension of death took on himself the ultimate consequence of sin. In this morning's story, Jesus experiences separation from God the Father, God the Mother. In fact, Jesus experienced this separation to a depth none of us, no human being, can ever even imagine. Tom Wright, the British theologian, puts it this way. This is God-forsakenness of the Son of God. A horror, a sharing of the depth of suffering, mental and emotional as well as physical, that characterized the world in general and Israel in particular. The dark cloud of evil, Israel's evil, the world's evil, evil itself, greater than the sum of its parts, cut him off from the one he called Abba, in a way he had never known before. We basically experience it in little bits throughout our whole lives, but Jesus had never known separation from God before, and now he feels it in full. This is what this story agonizingly reveals. At the sixth hour, 
darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The horror of abandonment captured in his cry from the cross etched itself so deeply into the memory of those who heard it that it was written exactly as Jesus had voiced it. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Even further, the aloneness and abandonment Jesus endured encompassed the loneliness of all human beings ever. One of the most profound commentaries on this story that I know of comes from a poem written by Denise Levertov. Levertov, in return, is reflecting on a commentary written by the English mystic Julian of Norwich. In the poem entitled On a Theme from Julian's Chapter 20, Levertov meditates on what Julian called the oneing of God, the oneing of Jesus with the Godhead, the reality that they are one essence. Six hours outstretched in the sun, yes, hot wood, the nails, blood trickling into the eyes, yes. But the thieves on their neighbor crosses survived till after the soldiers had come to fracture their legs, or longer. Why single out this agony? What's a mere six hours? Torture then, torture now, the same. The pain's the same. Immemorial branding iron, electric prod, Hasn't a child dazed in the hospital ward they reserve for the most abused known worse? This air we are breathing, these very clouds, ephemeral billows languid upon the sky's moody ocean, we share with women and men who have held out days and weeks on the rack. And in the ancient dust of the world, what particles of the long tormented? What ashes. But Julian's lucid spirit leapt to the difference, perceived why no awe could measure that brief day's endless length, why among all tortured, only one is king of grief. The oneing, she saw, the oneing with the Godhead opened him utterly to the pain of all minds, all bodies, sands of the sea, of the desert, from the first beginning to the last day. The great wonder is that the human cells of his flesh and bone didn't explode when utmost imagination rose in the, that flood of knowledge. Unique in agony, infinite strength, incarnate empowered him to endure inside of history through those hours when he took to himself the sum total of anguish and drank even the lees of that cup. 
within the mesh of the web, himself woven within it, and yet seeing it, seeing it whole. Here she ends with Julian's words. Every sorrow and desolation he saw and sorrowed in kinship. Every sorrow and desolation he saw and sorrowed in kinship. Sorrowed in kinship with every one of us, with every human being ever. Jesus endured everything in order that in order to be with us in everything. Jesus even endured the sense of utter abandonment, aloneness, even from God, in order that we will never be utterly abandoned, never be utterly alone. And for this, I will turn to another profound commentary from another poet named Chad Walsh. This is a poem entitled, Why Hast Thou Forsaken Me? And he starts out the first stanza, stanza I won't read, but he's, he's, he's saying, well, maybe Socrates uh, knew the answer in this idea of opposites generating their opposite. But then he goes on, or perhaps being man, it was simply Jesus must first go wherever man had been. To whatever caves of loneliness, whatever caverns of no light, deep, damp darkness, dripping walls of the spirit, man, woman has known. I have called to God and heard no answer. I have seen the thick curtain drop and sunlight die. My voice has echoed back, a foolish voice, the prayer restored intact to its silly source. I have walked in darkness, he hung in it. In all of my minds of night, he was there first. In whatever dead tunnel I am lost, he finds me. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? From his perfect darkness, a voice says, I have not. Our Hebrew First Testament reading, like I was saying to the kids, may have sounded odd being read here in spring when it is usually read only at Christmas time. Behold, those who stand under the darkness of death have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living under the shadow of death, under the veil of death. Behold, to us, a child is born. And we celebrate that child as Emmanuel. Emmanuel from the Hebrew, God with us. At Christmas time, we celebrate this joyful birth of a baby. But again, as I was saying with the kids, Jesus is not with us only in our birth or even only in our day-to-day -day life. Jesus is with us, Emmanuel, God with us, always. That same light has dawned in the darkness of our death. And I know that many of us 
are in the darkness of loneliness. I'm very conscious that even as I'm speaking now, I'm looking into a phone camera. And there are a couple of people here and there, but basically it's empty. I have no idea even if there's anybody out there. I have no idea. And you, if there is any you out there, you may be sitting in a room alone. But none of us are truly alone. None of us. God has not abandoned us. Jesus endured everything we experience in order that we experience Jesus with us through everything. Everything. And so I close with Paul's reminder to us, Paul's encouragement to us to remember this truth. What shall we say then in response to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Against us. Those who did not separate, or excuse me, those who did not spare. Let me get this right. <laughs> they who did not spare their own son. And I use the plural they because it's the Trinity. They who did not spare their own son, but gave him up for us all, how will they not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword or the virus? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced of this, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God.